There's plenty of sales training out there and sales coaching out there of how to close a deal and make a sale happen. But what you don't find is what to do when you lose a sale or when you lose a deal. What are the steps that you take? What do you do? How do you know you're on the right path? These are important questions. Every single message you deliver is really a sales call. Either you are selling or being sold. Salespeople love to brag about their skills. And the truth is, your success in closing sales depends on your skills, your abilities, and finding the right training. And the great news is, you have come to the right place here at The How to Sell Show with your hosts, Dale Bell and Scott Sylvanbell. And be sure to join the party at howtosell.live and download your copy of The 10 Common Mistakes Salespeople Make. Aloha from Sacramento, California today. Today's a fantastic day. I'm coming to you live from the How to Sell Show studios on episode number 190. What to do when you lose a sale or a deal. (laughs) What to do when you lose a sale or a deal. And I want to let you know, this is what I'm going to refer to as a hidden conversation in sales. And there's there's a couple of reasons for it. One, it's a hidden conversation because most sales managers and most sales trainers really don't know how to answer this question. It's it's an overt question. It comes up a lot. What do, what do I do? I lost a deal. Now what? And it's a hidden conversation because sometimes as a salesperson, we're scared to say, I just got rejected. If you tell me what I did wrong, I have the possibility of being rejected again. And so there's times where people bring it up. There's people. There's times where people will broach the conversation. But at the end of the day, what you need to know as a salesperson is most people don't talk about this because one, they don't know how to bring it up or two, they don't know how to answer the question. And there are some fantastic sales trainers and some fantastic sales managers out there that can answer this. So I'm not saying it's an absolute. I'm not saying that 100% of people cannot answer this question. But I'm saying that around you in the world of sales, there are a few people that know how to get it right. And there's a lot of people that just, eh, nothing. You got nothing. Because at the end of the day, there's things that work for you. There's things that work for everybody else. And nobody really documents their journey. Nobody really documents uh, what's going on. So they don't have a roadmap. So what I'm going to share with you is my recipe, my story of, of how I figured this out. But what I want you to understand, this isn't all about me. This, this is a you situation. I'm going to give you my story in order to influence, okay? And I, I really sucked at sales when I started in 2000. And I told myself, I'm going to figure this out. And when I do figure it out, I'm going to help people so that they don't have to go through the same things that I went through because it was a struggle. I was like the 10th worst salesperson on the planet. So I kept really good notes. I kept really good documentation of things that worked for me and things that worked for other salespeople. And, and some of this came from therapy. Some of this came from neuro-linguistic programming. Some of this came from conversations with closers. Some of this came from conversations with friends. And with some of this, I may challenge your beliefs. You may go, I don't know if I necessarily like that. Well, that's okay. You know, take take my recipe and modify it. So I, I use the example of spaghetti a lot in sales. That there's lots of different recipes for spaghetti. So you got noodles, you got tomato sauce, you got brown sugar, you know, you got some oregano, you got some garlic. <laughs> and you're like, Scott, brown sugar. I'm like, yeah, that's that's a good ingredient to put inside of, of uh, spaghetti. See, everybody's got a, a, their own slight version of what they put in this recipe. 
So my my version is like I shared with you is going to be based upon conversations with friends, with closers, with therapists, stuff that came from neurolinguistic programming, stuff that came from performance coaches. And here's the thing, most sales trainers will tell you to keep going, but they're not they're not dealing with the 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 trauma, let's say, that comes from not closing a deal. And this this was a 10-year search for me because I've been using this with people that I've been coaching for 10 years. So it was a 10-year search to create, and then I've perfected it over the last 10 years. And so I have this thing called the 4321 process. 4321 process. And I'll I'll go over that with you here in a few minutes. But let's talk about the elephant in the room, rejection. Rejection's a necessary function of the world of sales. And the sooner that you realize that rejection is normal, it's part of the game, it's what you do with it that matters. It's how you deal with it. It's how you internalize it. It's what you do after a sale. It's what you do before a sale as well. And it can hurt. Rejection is real. Rejection can can get you from just about every angle, and it's compounded by what's going on in your life. So your life has a direct effect by direct effect into how you deal with direction. Rejection, <laughs> rejection. Um, and most people don't think of it about this way: that your your personal life has direct influence on your sales career. It does. Uh, you lose a person through either life and death. You gain a person through life or death. You get a car, you get a house, you get a boat, you go on a vacation. All these things will, will manifest into your world of sales. And a lot of old school sales books, I think I read this in probably about seven or eight different books. It said the most productive week of somebody's life in sales is just before they go on vacation. And I'm going to say that that's true for about half of the population, but it's also not true for the other half because people lose focus. And then when you get back, it sometimes for some people, it's tough to get back into the swing of things. For others, they get right back into it. So I'm going to give you an example from my life. I lost my dad in 2017, unexpectedly, heart attack, got a phone call. I was in the middle of sales training. I was in front of a room. I was presenting and my little sister kept blowing up my phone. And so like the third time, because it wasn't normal for her to do that. Me and her don't get along very well. And so the third time of her calling, I pick up the phone and she's frantic. And she's like, dad's on the ground. They're doing CPR. They can't revive him. It's been 15 minutes. So I've been around the block long enough to know that that's not going to end well. Well, professionally, that, that took its toll on me for about three to six months. That took its toll on me for real. I'm, I'm a grown man. You know, uh, grief is a weird thing. Grief is a difficult thing to deal with. You know, I, I had a very good relationship with my dad. Uh, that's why I left him in the title of the How to Sell show as a tribute to him. But these things, they, they enter into our lives. And to say that I was 100% okay would have been false. You know, I, I've been through some very tough situations in my life. I went through a very bad breakup in 2008, 2009. Very bad. And it, and it had direct influence on my sales process. And when we started this conversation, you know, part of it was what to do when you lose a sale or a deal. And part of this conversation is to look like what's going on in your life? What are the, what are the events? What are What's normal? What's abnormal? What's strange? What's good? This is the place that part of the clues are going to be. 
because this is going to be a puzzle. This is going to be ha- have to be things that you are putting together to figure it out because not everybody has the same puzzle, just like not everybody has the same spaghetti recipe with brown sugar in it. And at the end of the day, we all want to look good in front of others. We all want to prove our skills. We all want to prove our capabilities. And I could tell you right now that you have people that you work with that do not listen to episodes of podcasts like the How to Sell Show. You you have coworkers that don't read books. You have coworkers that aren't willing to pay for their own training. You have coworkers that just do the bare minimum. I'm not worried about those people because like they don't get it. And there's only so much that they can hear that these are the things that you got to do. And if you're sitting in your office right now, you're in your cubicle and you're looking around, if there's 10 people in the room, four of them really don't belong. And you're doing the right thing. You're checking out this episode of the How to Sell Show. You're doing things to get better at yourself. Because here's the thing you got to remember. Anytime that you, I'm going to give you the, the, the formula for rejection and the formula for regret. So anytime that you put in time, effort, energy, risk, money, or reputation, you have the ability to face rejection. Now, conversely, if you don't put in time, effort, energy, risk, or reputation, you have the ability to have regret. And this becomes important because a lot of times I'll work with salespeople and they feel like they, they what they have is rejection. But at the end of the day, the real problem is, is they have regret for not doing what needed to be done. And a lot of times salespeople will get training, they'll get coaching, and then they'll never use what, what has been taught. And so... Here's the the truth is we all want to look good in front of our our friends, our relatives, our coworkers, and especially other closers. And we want to feel relevant. And what you need to know is relevancy is one of those things that uh, that we're all searching for, and and even an approval from others, whether you believe it or not, that you are looking for people to approve of you. So for some people, it's because of the way they drive a car or, or because of a car they drive or because of a watch or because of a suit or because of a house. You know, some of that comes from upbringing. Some of it comes from uh, life. Some of it comes from the search for approval. And that approval is a big deal. And I can share with you the reason I know this is because if you lay back, if you peel back the, the layers of an onion far enough, on a problem that somebody faces, you'll get to the psychology issues of it. You'll get to the things that are truly holding them back or the reason why. Okay. So like, I'll give you true examples from my life. My entire life, I was called stupid. My entire adolescent, I should say my entire adolescent life. I was called stupid, uh, from a lot of people from, of course, brothers and sisters, but people at school, you know, I got made fun of a lot. And so because of that, I have read a lot. And because of that, I have studied a lot. And sometimes I, I, truthfully, I still struggle with it today because it was such a big part of my life, you know, being made fun of a lot. And so it wasn't just being made fun of, uh, because of what people considered me to be dumb. It was also because people made fun of me because of my weight. I've always had a weight problem. My entire life. I've had a weight problem. My little brother is athletic. He's skinny. You know, uh, he just, he got blessed with the genes so for me, sometimes the relevancy that I've been searching for comes from my ability to teach others and, and help them get out from where they're at. So with that being said, we look for relevancy. And the, the, the enemy of relevancy is rejection. Okay? The, the enemy of moving forward 
is rejection. And so let's just go through some numbers. Rejections for most salespeople happens two times more than sales. Let's just go through the numbers. Most industries have an okay rate at 33%. That means that 33% of the time you'd get told yes, 66% of the time you get told no. So you're getting told no twice as much as you're getting told yes. Okay. Closers close the gap. And for a lot of industries, closers are at 50%. That's roughly the number. I'm giving you some generics. So if you're like, no, Scott, my industry, it's a different number. Simmer down. I like, I don't, <laughs> I can't give you every industry on this episode of the How to Sell Show. It's a podcast. It's a, it's a recording. So let's, we're going to use some generic numbers today. If the average industry has a 33% closing rate, and that's good, closers are at 50%. That means one time they're going to get told yes, one time they're going to get told no. So 50% of the time, they're told no. Now, a performer in my mind is the top of the top. They're the top 0.8% in the world of sales, okay? So if you if you do the 80-20 rule, that's how you figure that out. That means that they have a 75% chance of success and a 25% chance of failure. So those these are the three numbers. 66% roughly or 70%, 50% and 33%. Those are the numbers to target, those are like, uh, for a lot of industries, you can figure this out. Maybe these numbers don't work for you. So 33, 50, and 66. So if you're if you're closing at 33%, your goal should be to get to 50. And then once you get to 50, your goal should be to get to 66. Okay, if it doesn't work for your industry, reroute the numbers. Figure them out. And this is this is important. This is something that you really have to do. This is something you've got to take the time, the energy, the effort to, to put in. What... Go ahead, just say it out loud. What, what's a good closing rate in your in your industry? Whatever your service is, just say it. It may be 28%. It may be 30 But figure out what stage one is. That's going to be like standard. Stage two is going to be a closer. And stage three is going to be a performer. And the reason I bring this up is because once you have that base down, once you know those numbers, then routines matter. Then coaching matters. Then training matters. You have to know which target you want to hit. You have to know how far out you need to go. When you have routines and you lose a deal, it makes it easier to figure out what's happened. When you have routines and you lose a deal, you you have your ability to do a checks and balances. You have your ability to do a list. And I will share with you, there's times where I look at deals and I want to blame somebody else. I want to blame... I want to blame the the climate of business. I want to blame the quarter of the year. I want to blame uh, I want to blame others. And then I got to remember, it's me against me and sales first. It's me against sales, everybody else second. I got it like, nope, it's not going to happen today. It's 100% on me. I'm going to accept responsibility and I'm going to do this. And there's times where I, I struggle. There's times where I'm like, mm, yeah, I want to blame somebody else. I'm going to challenge you to... 100% accept responsibility and say, hey, this is up to me. Even if there's outside influences. Because it's really easy to find, find it's really easy to find others to blame. It's really easy to get caught up in what other people would do. And once you go down this path, it makes it really strong hard, makes it very t- difficult for you to get back on board and and think through this, okay? So you have to get really good at asking questions. I have this belief that the two most powerful forms of communication are questions and stories. Questions and stories. And as you as you take a look at what you're doing, 
if, if you're asking really good questions, you have the capability of uncovering information. And as of right now, I get to interview a really cool person once a week because I have figured out how to ask really good questions. I've, I've gotten to a point in my life where I've, I've honed this skill. And uh, there's a few people who've had major impact on my sales life. And one of them really doesn't have anything to do with sales. I got to do with negotiation. And that's Jim Camp. Start with no. It's the, only, it's the only business book that I've read over 30 times. So if you're like, Scott, why do you have this man crush on Jim Camp? Because like when I found his content in 2008, 2009, it really changed the way that I looked at sales. It really changed the way that I looked at negotiations. And the first time I went through it, I was like, yeah, I don't know if I like this Jim Camp guy. And then, yeah, I got a man crush on him. So Jim Camp has this thing called three plusing, which means that you learn how to ask questions. You learn how to ask the same type of question, the same the, the same question three different ways. And so when, when you uh, deal with a buyer, when you deal with a client, and you're looking at your process and you're trying to figure out why did I lose a sale or why did I lose a deal, some of it comes down, you weren't asking the right questions. You weren't doing, it, it was your discovery. It was, it was the things that you didn't say. It was the things that you didn't bring up. And so part of this conversation is objections. Part of this conversation is how you deal with people in, in the presentation. And what I want you to know is you can only practice so much, and then you have to you have to do the work. So uh, Roland Frazier likes to say there's a point where you're beyond the book with your learning. There's a point where you're beyond training. There really is. There's a point where training, training isn't going to do anything for you. You have to take action. And so questions are a good place to look. Uh, stories are a good place to look. And... When you lose a deal, what most people don't want to do is go through the questions. They don't want to go through the format. They don't want to they don't want to look at their process. It's really easy. Like I mentioned a couple of minutes ago, it's really easy to want to blame others. And the moment that you own your sales process, the better you're going to get at deals. Now, are there times where I struggle with this in my life? Yes, there are. You know, there's times where I'm struggling personally, I'm struggling mentally. And I really want to blame other people. But at the end of the day, it's all me. It's, it's Scott Sylvan Bell Incorporated, <laughs> right? So here, here are seven questions, seven questions you could ask. How did you prepare? What did you do to prepare? That would be like the same question, your preparation. Number two, what questions did you ask in the pre- presentation? And did you ask all the questions that you really needed to? Like, I don't, I don't ever want to come across as being the same person in my discovery mode. I want to ask tough questions. I want people to go, man, nobody's ever asked me that. Because I want them to understand that my level of, of comprehension of what they're up against requires me to ask a better question. Uh, I want to say in 2007, 2008, I saw this guy in, in the heating and air world. His name was Ken Wood, and he worked in, in Pennsylvania or Philadelphia. Uh, and... And he, he was one of the first guys to hit big numbers to do $2 million in a year, which was big numbers back then for heating and air. Now like the number six or seven, I think. And I went to dinner with him because uh, the company I was associated with was, was friendly with the company that he was associated with. And so I, I sat down, I sat next to him. Like everybody was trying to like buy drinks and, and party. And I'm like, I'm in research mode. I want to know why this dude closed... You know, I, did, I think I did like one three that year, one four. 
I wanted to know why he closed, you know, 25% more, 25%, 30% more business than me. And I said, Ken, you know, what is it that you did? And he goes, I learned how to ask one more question. And I said, well, what was that question? He goes, well, that's what you have to figure out. And it was, it was like a mental puzzle for me. It was one of those things where I was like, this is like, this sounds like a, uh, a question that maybe, uh, a, a world leader might ask or somebody who's a part of a religion that might get you caught up and you're like, how do I answer this? It's like a, it's, it's a conundrum. How do I? And then, so I started studying questions. I went to Amazon and I think I ordered five to 10 books on asking questions. And I probably pestered and annoyed the living hell out of people for trying to get this skill down, for trying to hone the skill of asking questions because, you know, I was obsessed. Got to ask one more question. And this, this is something I think that there was probably two or 3,000 people at this event. It was in St. Louis, I believe. And there was probably two or 3,000 people at this event, and nobody sought after this guy to ask him, how did you just, you asked one more question. What the hell does that mean? What does it mean? Just ask one more question, and then you can't tell me what that question is. Nope, everybody else was there to party and drink. I was there in research mode, okay? What rebuttals did you use? And rebuttals could be another question. It could be a story. I love to use stories as a rebuttal. I love to use like, hey, you know, can I share something with you? And then go down the path of a story. Number four, what objections did you not call out early on? You know, uh, I have this belief. And the belief is, is when I hear an objection, I deal with it. When I hear something that sounds like an objection, I don't want that that idea to reverberate through the entire sales process. So I'm going to give you some phrases. You pick the one that you like. You modify the one that you like. I get the sense. I get the feel. Maybe you can help me out here. I feel like something's going on here. I feel like I lost you. I feel like there's an issue with what I just said. I I get the sense that you're not happy with what we just talked about. You know, and I will I will tell you, you target feelings. You target emotions. Um, because you want that person to be like, I'm frustrated with the way that you're presenting. Um I don't necessarily believe what you have to, had to say. You know, if if you make it a logical argument, I promise you it's going to be a logical argument. That's not the part of the brain that you want to target. You want the emotions. Emotions. So I get the sense that you're frustrated with me. Um, I get the feel. Like, that's why I started with the word feel. I get the sense. I get the feel. Okay. Number five, did you ask for the sale? Did you ask for the sale? There's plenty of times where people said, like, look, Scott, I'm not buying today. I'm not making a decision today. And I go, great. You know what? At the end of the day, you don't have to do anything. I can't make you do anything. But at the end of the presentation, I've got I've got a couple of things that I got to do. I got to show up on time. I got to present. And I got to ask for the sale. Those are the three things that I do on every single sales presentation, every single sales call. Somebody calls and says, I need coaching. I'm going to I'm going to show up on time, whatever the Zoom call is, whatever the face-to-face is. I'm going to, I'm going to go through my discovery mode. I'm going to ask the questions and I'm going to say, are we moving forward or not? Okay. In whatever way that you do that, I'm giving you generic instructions. Did you overcome objections? Did you, did you attempt to overcome objections? This is where most salespeople think that they're doing a good job, but they're not. So like towards the end of the sales call, most salespeople have like three ways of asking for the business. Can we do business? Um, I can, I can get you a discount. I can price match. Let's get you a bigger discount. That's your competition. I've written with enough salespeople to know that's the game plan for most people. Most salespeople don't know how to like sometimes ignore the objection. Say, hey, I completely understand what you're saying, but let's get it done anyway. That's another way to deal with it. Completely understand. Let's get it done anyway. 
Um, what did, what did you do when you won and what did you do when you lost? And so I will tell you, this is hard work. This is the stuff that nobody wants to do because it's easier to get out of a sales call and go, you know what? That lead sucked. You know what? That lead source was horrible. You know what? That person was a jerk. But to dig in and go, how much of this was really me? Was it 10%? Was it 80%? Was it a hundred percent? Do I own my process? Do I own my, my procedure? Because at the end of the day, like what to do, what do you do when you win or lose a deal? I'm about to give you my formula. But in order for me to give you the formula, I had to give you the backstory. In order for me to get you to the point to be prepared to answer the questions the right way so that you know what you got to do. So I've been using this tool in private coaching since 2010, and it's changed a little bit. The numbers have moved around, but you're going to need, you're going to need 10 pieces of information. And this is where the rubber meets the road. So I call this the 4321 process. 4321. And I will I will let you know that the way that I formulated this was done in a very specific way. So let's say that you run a sales lead. You you do face to face, you go to their building, they come to you, you do it over Zoom. Whatever way you do your business. What were four things that went right? What were four things that went right? What were three things that went okay? Like there's four things that you crushed on. There's three things that went okay. What were two things that you struggled with? And what was one thing you completely failed on? Now, when you look at the math, you're you're looking for seven things roughly that you did right or you were exceptional at. And you're looking for three things that went wrong. You're looking for two times the amount of good than bad. The reason for this is if you go looking for bad, you're going to find bad and it's going to be nothing but bad. So the end goal for you is to look for more things that you've done right than wrong. So I'm going to give this, I'm going to give this to you one more time. Four, three, two, one sales process. Four things that went right. Three things that were like, oh, they were okay. Two things that you struggled with and one thing that you completely failed on. And remember, you're going to you're going to come up with almost twice as many you you are going to come up with twice as many things that you did right than what you what you struggled with and you don't have to bounce around at this point you you don't have to like go through this emotional roller coaster of like I don't know I don't know I can't figure this out I'm not going to figure it out I'm going to blame somebody else and what you're going to find is that when you can formulate these things and you look at them on a consistent basis and you start saying, like, where where did this struggle come from? Where where am I really having a tough time? If you take these notes for 10 sales calls, you're going to find a trend line. You're going to probably find that you're very good at getting in and asking questions and going through discovery to an extent. You're really good on presenting. And I'm going to give you the breakdown from what I've seen from my personal coaching, my personal training, and myself. Where the struggle happens is at the last... 33 to 25% of the sales call, where it's all about the money, where it's all about getting the person to see the the vision that you have on the horizon and getting them to take action. And if it's not that, it's, it's the first half where you're not dealing with objections that are overcoming, you're not asking the right questions. Most of the time, most of the time, it's the money. Um, most of the time for, for salespeople, 
they have a weird belief about asking people for whatever number they ask for. This is why you really need to practice with high numbers. So as, as you go through, look and, and build out your process. In fact, here's what I'll do is I'm going to put a cheat sheet on how to sell dot live. So here is the URL. I'm going to get this, this uh, cheat sheet done this weekend. And so uh, it's how to sell dot live forward slash four, three, two, one. I will put a cheat sheet together for you. Uh, if I got time today, I'll, I'll do a YouTube video and I'll link a YouTube video to it and I'll make it a private link. But four, three, two, one, take some time, answer the questions, go through the process, go through what you're struggling with, go through what went right. Go. I'm, I'm just going to tell you having some sort of framework and a process is better than not having framework and process. And so when I work with people, they're like, Scott, I just, I don't know where to start. I don't know how to deal with this. I don't know how to conceive an idea because you you have to get past a, a struggle to see through it at some point. And this is why you get coaches. This is why you get mentors. This is why you hire experts is because most of the time they've been there. They've seen through it. They've done it. And they have different insights than you. I didn't get this from the sales world, just so you know. I got this from therapy. I got this from going through personal issues in my own life. I got this from reverse engineering what I was paying a therapist 275 bucks for 50 minutes for, right? Uh, I didn't get much out of the therapy from the person. I got more out of their process. And so you, at the end of the day, you may not like me, and I'm okay with that. You know, you may go, hey, Scott's a goofy dude. Okay, I'm okay with that. But at least figure out something to put some ideas or concepts around how you deal with struggles, you know, figure out how to ask the right questions about yourself instead of just blaming somebody else. Like when you, what do you do when you lose a sale or a deal? You figure out what went right. You figure out what went wrong. But the more that you blame negative than positive, the easier it is to get spun in more negative roles. Okay. I, I will share with you the one thing that most people completely fail on is asking for the sale again. This, this is like the, one of the biggest stumbling blocks. Short of a crappy presentation, short of not doing your job in the presentation, if you did a really good presentation and you did everything that you were supposed to, I'm going to share with you the one place that I target the most is asking for the sale. That's the one thing that I'll role play over and over and over again with a salesperson. So go through, build out your 4321 process, four things that went right, three things that were okay, two things you struggled with, and one thing you completely failed on. And remember, it's two times as many good things as negative things. And if you're struggling and like, hey, I'm really stuck and I don't have a 4-3-2-1 process that I can follow because I didn't do enough stuff right, I would get with a coach. I would get with a mentor. I would pay somebody and either have them come ride with you and validate that information because you could be completely wrong. You know, sometimes when we're negative, including me, we go down the wrong path. We go chasing the wrong rabbit and it creates a lot of problems. So, this is one of the reasons why I, I highly recommend that you record your presentation when you're on top. And I highly recommend you record your presentation when you're not doing so well, because you can take some comparisons. Oh, I left out a story. Oh, I left out this question. Oh, I didn't, I didn't deal with the objection that it came up as it was. I stopped asking these series of questions. I stopped confirming information about budget. I'm going to give you this example again, but I'm going to explain it a little bit differently. So when I, when I work with salespeople and they say, I lost a deal, I'll ask them, were you able to identify a pain, a risk, a problem, or a pleasure? 
Was there a pain, a risk, a problem, or a pleasure that the buyer wanted to have fulfilled? And if they answer yes, and they can give me the answer, my next question is, is there a budget? Is there money? Is there wherewithal? Is there the ability to pay for this thing? And if there's a yes, then the last question is, did they give you a time frame or a commitment to, to resolve this issue? So those are the three things that I really focus on when somebody says, hey, I lost a deal. Let's go through the 4321 process. Did they have a pain, a risk, a problem, or a pleasure? Because it can't be always negative. There are people who seek out pleasure. There are people who seek out for uh, fixed pain. Did they have a budget? And was there a time frame or a commitment? Now, this assumes that you're talking to the decision maker. You know, you have to be talking to the decision maker to get to the root of these things, whoever that decision maker is. But, you know, if you're, if you're sitting there thinking, you're like, hey, I don't know why I lost this deal and I don't know what to do when I lose a deal, you now have a framework to work within. You've got the 4321 process, four things that went right, three things that were okay, two things you struggled with, and one thing you completely failed on. And then you also have the framework of asking the questions. Was I meeting with a decision maker? Was there a pain, a risk, or a problem that was uncovered? Was there a budget? And then was there a time frame or commitment to, to get to the answers? So if, if you just lost a deal and you're like, I don't know what I did right and I don't know what I did wrong, go through that process. Ask those questions. Because at the end of the day, it works out to be about eight questions. And after every deal, if you go through and you have a worksheet, you can make it really easy to figure these things out. So I am going to put up a worksheet on how to sell.live forward slash 4321. 4321. It'll be a PDF. It'll be, you know, just something you can print out and fill out and just answer the questions. Um, but go through 10 of your sales calls and answer the questions so you can look for the patterns. Thanks for checking out this episode of the How to Sell Show. You can join the party at howtosell.live to get the show notes, links, updates on new episodes, recordings of previous episodes, articles, as well as videos. You may not know this sales secret, but sharing this episode with a friend will bring you good luck. See you soon. Mahalo.